And we'll share the recording after the event on our website, youreyes.org, and via email. Again, all of the recordings from past meetings are available at y-o-u-r-e-y-e-s as in Sam, dot o-r-g. This forum is both a place to learn and a place to share. We welcome you to share what you are experiencing and feeling, as well as any ideas you have to overcome unique challenges we are facing at this time. We are happy to provide much useful information as we can today, but please keep in mind, this call is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatments. We encourage you to communicate with your medical providers regarding any personal medical questions. Housekeeping for today's meeting. All participants are initially muted in an effort to reduce background noise on the call. To unmute yourself on the call, dial star star, also referred to as the asterisk key on your telephone's keypad. If you're using a smartphone, you must have your screen unlocked. The meeting software uses audible alerts to indicate that the participant is muted or unmuted. Some phones have self-mute options. This option will not unmute yourself from the call, so please refrain from using this option. Only star star will unmute yourself. We will re-mute you once you are completed with your question or your comment. There is a limited amount of time on the call today, and with the number of people dialed in, we may not be able to address every question or concern. We are interested in hearing from you at our Low Vision Learning Center and on future town hall call-in meetings. If you did not have an opportunity to ask your question, please contact us at 301-951-4444. At events, that's E V E N T S as in Sam, at youreyes.org. Again, that's 301-951-4444, or at events at youreyes.org. If you have questions, send them to us through these outlets so we can be sure to prepare. In addition, we know that there are a few vendor representatives on today's call. Welcome. If you have any information to share that you may believe to be helpful for our constituents, please share it with our Low Vision Learning Center hotline at 301-951-4444. We are happy to distribute via this outlet. At this time, I will hand off to Sean Curry, POB Programs Manager, We'll briefly talk about POB and our low vision program. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, everyone, for joining us for our weekly town hall. These calls have been a highlight of our weeks at POB. As Nick mentioned, recordings of these, this town hall and all previous town hall recordings can be found on our website. These recordings now have timestamps for you to navigate to the speakers and topics that interest you. The POB Low Vision Learning Center continues remote operations. 
The resource and information hotline is active Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. The center and hotline are a great resource and information navigator. Our resource specialists, Nitesha Thad and Tara Aziz, can help find resources and technology helpful for you. The phone number for the center is 301-951-4444. Nitesh and Tara are on the call today and available to answer questions. A few announcements. Beginning in June, the town hall calls will be moving to monthly meetings on Wednesdays. Again, in June, so that's including next week, the town halls are moving to monthly meetings on Wednesdays. Normally, our support groups at POB take a break over the summer months. However, we want to continue these robust town halls during this time. The next town hall meeting will be Wednesday, June 17th at 11 a.m. Again, our next town hall meeting will be Wednesday, June 17th at 11 a.m. The phone number continues to be the same, 301-307-2252. Stay tuned for our newsletter and flyer that is sent out to all on our mailing list about this town hall. If you or someone you know would like to be added to our newsletter mailing list, please call our hotline, 301-951-4444, or email events at youreyes.org. Attention JAWS users. An article from the Maryland Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped recommends if you use Internet Explorer as your search engine, it may be time to change your Internet browser. The browser has been experiencing more issues on some websites than normal, and it will redirect users to earlier versions of web pages or simply not allow you to interact with the sites. Other browsers that are great replacements are Google Chrome and Apple Safari which seem to work with JAWS well, according to the Maryland Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. Finally, Election Day for D.C. and Maryland is June 2nd. That's next week. Maryland is completely vote-by-mail. All Maryland residents should have already received their ballots. If you have not, please contact your local agency. For D.C. residents, if you have not submitted submitted your mail-in ballot yet, you will need to vote in person. The vote centers are open daily through June 2nd, which includes the weekend, so that's this weekend, 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. for you to vote in person. At this time, I would like to hand off to our moderators, Dr. Belinda Weinberg and Dr. Suleiman Alibi. Good morning, good morning everyone, and a warm welcome back to all of those of you who have been attending our meetings now for the, for the past month and a half. For those of you who are listening in for the first time, thank you for joining us. Dr. Weinberg and I have certainly enjoyed this interaction. We've enjoyed hearing from our speakers and most importantly, from you, our audience. 
Thank you, Dr. Alibi. As always, a review of what we do as low vision optometrists is we focus on rehabilitation or exploring the ways in which we can use your remaining vision to live safely, independently, and still have a good quality of life. So this is separate from the medical management of eye disease. Our patients are typically referred to us by retina specialists, glaucoma specialists, neuro-ophthalmologists, and these would be the doctors to consult about any treatments or research for your disease. Well, this week, we actually saw some patients in person. However, we are still encouraging patients to set up face-to-face -face appointments only if your concerns cannot be resolved via a remote or telemedicine appointment. So Dr. Weinberg and I are trying to speak to all patients before their appointments so we can limit the time you actually need to spend in the office. For those of you who do come into the office, we have implemented several new protocols based on the CDC and recommendations from our professional associations, and I'll come back to that in just a moment. And if you remember last week, we spoke about that there are five very simple strategies that we can implement to help us live in this new pandemic world until there is a vaccine. Those five things are hygiene, distance, masking, screening, and isolating. So good hygiene refers to washing your hands, not touching your face, social distancing, meaning staying six feet away from others, but also limiting your time around people, including doctors, which is why we're finding it so important to only see those patients that really need to be seen in person. Wearing a mask, of course, anytime that you're in an area where you're in contact with others, Screening refers to asking ourselves or loved ones how they're feeling, um, considering things such as fatigue, loss of smell or taste, uh, cough. And finally, if you do have any of these symptoms, to isolate yourself from others even further. So keeping those five strategies in mind, here are the things we have implemented those face-to-face -face appointments we're now beginning to have. All patients are first screened with questions and a forehead temperature check before even entering the office. Patients are always asked to wear a mask. We are doing the same, of course. We're requesting that you limit the number of family members that accompany you to the exam. The appointment is conducted as quickly and efficiently as possible using all the necessary equipment that, of course, is cleaned very thoroughly between each patient. As healthcare professionals, it is incumbent on us to protect every person we see and minimize the spread of this virus using the strategies Dr. Weinberg just outlined. So now on to our topic for today, which is technology. For better or for worse, technology isn't going anywhere. And while it may seem intimidating to the uninitiated, technology has improved life in innumerable ways to visually impaired individuals who have embraced it. We understand that this format of a town hall phone call is not necessarily conducive to providing step-by-step -step instructions of how to use these tools. Instead, we hope today's discussion will introduce some of the ways that technology can be used by those with vision loss. 
as always, if you don't catch something that we say today, not to worry. The town hall is being recorded so that you can listen back to it on our website, youreyes.org. And the Low Vision Learning Center is a great resource for getting one-on-one -on -one help with your tech issues. So without further ado, our first guest today is Paul Burden. He's the founder of a company called Our Voice. He was inspired to create this company to serve the blind and visually impaired after recognizing the positive impact the Amazon Echo Voice Assistant had on his mother who had experienced severe vision loss from macular degeneration. Paul believes that voice technology can be used to enable those experiencing vision loss to enhance their safety, independence, and quality of life. Now, after we hear from Paul, we will invite questions from all of you listening for him and then reserve questions for the other two guests after they have spoken. So, Paul, if you're there, please take it away. Yes, indeed, Dr. Albai, thanks very much. Um, so I realize that there are, there are members of the audience that have been using voice assistance, and there are members of the audience who have not been and uh, have no idea really what they're all about. So I'm going to try to touch on um, areas that will help you understand how a voice assistant can benefit uh, particularly the visually impaired in your day-to-day -day life. For those of you that are, are using them and perhaps even using them for some time, I hope to be able to show you some things that you may not be aware of so you can, you can derive the maximum benefit from a voice assistant. Now, um, I am going to speak today about uh, the Amazon Echo family of products. Um, Apple has voice assistants, as does Google, Microsoft, Samsung, etc. cetera. Uh, I believe for lots of reasons, and I can, I can answer questions later on, that the Amazon Echo uh, family of products is, is superior to any of the, the competitors. That said, I have no um, affiliation with Amazon whatsoever. Uh, I'm not compensated by Amazon in any way. Um, and, I, and I will have to say this just to, to clarify one of the things that Dr. Albi mentioned. Um, my little company has uh, been a victim of the COVID-19. Most, um, most of my clients were actually uh, residents of nursing homes. And, of course, you can't get close to a nursing home now. And my guesstimate is you won't be able to for quite some um, so I am anxious to um, make you aware of these benefits, and then I can help folks um, that have some questions, and I'll, and I'll get to that at, at no, no cost. I'm not on this, this call to, to uh, make any money. Um, and I'll get to that toward the end of the presentation. So a quick, a quick definition of terms. It's always important to understand uh, the terms that we're going to be using here for the next couple of minutes. The echo is the device. There are 30 different models of the Echo, um, ranging in price from $24 to $229. Um, they fundamentally do the same thing, um, and that is because most of the smarts in not only the Echo but any voice assistant is actually in the cloud. It's not in the device itself. Um, the Alexa has been built in to uh, earbuds, 
She's been built into glasses, into the frames of glasses. Uh, she's mobile in that you're carrying the Alexa app, and I'll explain more about the Alexa app in a second, the Alexa app on your Android or iPhone uh, as you travel. So that is the Echo. The Echo is the device itself, the piece of hardware. Alexa is the voice service. Alexa's voice is in every Echo, but she's also in microwave ovens. She's in the dashboard of automobiles. Um, she is in refrigerators. She's in smartwatches. She's everywhere. Here's probably the most important thing that, that we'll talk about today, and that is the, the third uh, term, which, are, which is skills. Think of skills. Skills are to the Echo what apps are to the smartphone. So just like the day you walked out of the uh, smartphone store with whatever smartphone you happened to purchase, that phone was going to do a lot for you right off the bat. It's, it's just packed with lots of features. The same is true of the Echo. But to really make the device unique to you, to satisfy the requirements that, that may be unique to you on a day-to-day -day basis, you want to use skills. Um, just as there are uh, apps in Apple's App Store and Google's uh, Play Store, there is a skills store. Um, and I'll talk, about, I'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But let me, let me have Alexa um, do something here for you so you can understand how to get these skills. Now, my, you can name Alexa. Alexa, you can name her a number of other things. The, the uh, wake word, so to speak, for the device that I'm going to be using this morning is Echo. So Echo, open Jeopardy. It looks like you didn't finish the clues from your last game. Can you resume your game? <laughs> no, thank you. Do you want to replay today's clues? No. Echo, stop. Thanks for playing. Hope to see you next time. All right. Well, that, that was uh, my bad. I was playing before, didn't close the game out, so it wanted to resume. Actually, it's pretty smart. It wanted to resume and pick up where I left off. There, the essence, though, of what I wanted to, to demonstrate there was how easy it is to get a skill. I just You can use the word open. You can use the word enable. Echo, enable Jeopardy. And there it is. It's on your device. You don't have to worry about storage as you do with a, uh, a smartphone or a computer. Um, again, these skills are stored for you in the cloud. So the storage is unlimited. The number of skills that you can avail yourself to is unlimited as, as well. Um, let me give you another example, quick example of a skill. Echo, ask DC Metro when the next train arrives at Rockville. But you gotta do a little thinking. For station Rockville, on the red line towards Glenmont, Trains are arriving in 8, 23, and 38 minutes. On the red line towards Shady Grove, trains are arriving in 9, 21, and 37 minutes. Thank you. Of course. It looks wet today. Stay dry out there. <laughs> okay, so she's even offering some help helpful hints. So what's going on here? Um, there are about 100 and... Uh, 
115,000 skills available. Um, so pretty much whatever it is you want to do on your Echo, uh, you'll find it. I just uh, enabled Jeopardy. There's 5,000 games, for instance, um, available to you in the skills store. So with the popularity of the Echo, 110 million of them out there, DC Metro decided it would be great to create a skill, like an app, to make people aware of uh, where the trains are, how they're running, are they on time, when are they arriving at your station, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is another skill that we, um, that we installed for almost every, uh, every client that we worked with, and it's called the My Buddy skill. So you can think of the device as a device that is going to help keep you safe in your home in, in a couple of different ways. My Buddy is, you can think of it sort of as Echo's answer to the um, alert lanyard that, that folks wear uh, around their wrist or on a lanyard around their neck. Hey, I'm in trouble. I need help. This is a crisis. Um, with the My Buddy skill, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to actually invoke it, but let me just describe it to you. Um, also, let me go back and make something, uh, make a point that I should have made clear earlier. Literally 99.9% .9 of all of the skills that you download are absolutely free. And my buddy is included in that. Um, so, uh, a user, a user is in distress. And, you know, they feel a tingling in their arm. They've taken a fall and they can't get to, to their mobile phone, whatever the case may be. Um, simply say, Echo, my buddy. The Echo is going to come back and say, who should I contact? And we train our clients to say, everybody. Because when people are in distress and they've got a high, they've got adrenaline flowing through them, sometimes it's difficult to remember, just call Bob or just call. So we train our clients to say, everybody. As soon as that happens, a phone call, an email, and a text go out to the people that we've configured in the background. And that phone call, when, you, when it's picked up, a recording is going to say, Mrs. Jones is in distress. She needs help immediately. Please contact. Um, and then we actually do a little drill for practice. One person is responsible for calling 911. One person is responsible for calling the nursing center or, or whatever the case may be. So that's one way that, that the device can help keep you safe in your home. Another is, is a feature that is actually embedded in the device and it's free. The problem is most, many people don't know it's there. Um, and it's called Echo Guard. Um, and it's sort of a, think of it sort of as a home alarm system. Let me give you an, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example here. Echo, I'm leaving. Goodbye. I'll start guarding now. Okay, you may have heard two things. She said, goodbye, I'll start guarding now. And you may have heard the, the tone on my phone, um, which is also letting me know that Alexa is guarding my home. So what does that mean? It means that she's opened her ears now and is listening for the sound of a smoke detector alarm, um, a carbon monoxide detector alarm, or the sound of glass breaking. If she hears any of those, she's going to uh, immediately contact you on your phone and even include a snippet, uh, a 10-second recording of what it is that she's heard. So if you're out and about, you can then call 911 and say, 
I'm concerned that there's a fire at this address. I'm concerned that wh whatever the case may be. Um, so uh, let me echo. I'm home. All right. I'll stop guarding now. Now, there's no reason in the world, um, if you would like to keep guard on at all times, um, even when, when you're home, that's fine. You just don't uh, tell you-know-who that, that, uh, that you're home. Um, you can use the device to help you manage your day-to-day -day life in, in a number of ways. Um, now, it takes a little while, so I'm not going to do email, um, but the device will read your email. All you just say is, Alexa, read my mail. And she's going to read your email to you, provided you're using um, Outlook or Gmail and enable you to respond, delete, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You can respond by voice. There's, there's two caveats that I want to make clear with regard to uh, the devices reading your email to you. Um, one is you cannot compose an email. So I could not say, Alexa, send an email to Dr. Alibi for whatever reason, because she has my contacts. I'm not clear on why this is not possible yet, but I believe it will be. Um, I cannot compose an email. However, if Dr. Alibi has sent me an email, um, that email would be read to me, and she'll ask would I like to delete that, archive that, reply to that, and I can reply. The second caveat is the replies have to be reasonably short. So Dr. Alibi, thanks very much for your email. Looking forward to seeing you Friday for lunch. Uh, take care something like that. Um, as with email, you can use the device to manage uh, your calendar. Echo, what's on my calendar today? Today there are three events remaining. Package from Amazon is in progress and lasts all day. Dr. Ollie by 1050 is in progress and ends at 11.50 a.m. At 3 p.m., there's 3.30 Pat K. Golf. Thank you. Of course. Echo, add an event to my calendar. Got it. What day and time? Tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. And what's the name of the event? Dr. Smith. I'll schedule Dr. Smith on Friday, May 29th at 10 a.m., okay? Okay. Okay. I've added that. And these calendar notifications are going to appear on my calendar on my phone and the calendar on my computer, as well as the calendar on, on this device. Um, when I was uh, ready to call in for this call, I was prompted by uh, my device to uh, make that, <clears throat> excuse me, to make that phone call because it was on my calendar. Um, you might be stuck. Echo, go home. <clears throat> now, um, Amazon has recently created, oh, about six, eight months ago, has created a group within the Amazon, oh, let me mute her, within the Amazon Echo group called Echo for All. And what this group is intended to do is, is to expand the capabilities of the device and improve the lives of people with disabilities. Um, and the first three things that they did 
first thing they did was let me let me go back to you know who here. Um, I want you to listen when I ask uh, when I wake her up, and I'm just going to ask what time it is. I want you to listen for the tone that I get that prompts me to know that she's listening that she has heard me. Let me turn it up just a bit. Echo. What time is it? The time is 11.34 a.m. So the way that sighted people know that Alexa has heard them is they get the confirmation in, in the way of a, uh, of a blue light that comes on and says, okay, I heard you and I'm listening. What is your command? Um, this is just a way to uh, help provide confirmation that, yes, indeed, Alexa heard you, she's listening, and now you can issue your command. The second thing that was was introduced by the Alexa for All group is with certain devices, and they have to be screen-based devices, um, you can now use the device to help you identify products, items around the house, et cetera. And the, the example I always use is, you know, it's dinner time, you grab a can, um, are you holding tomato paste or cream corn? So, Alexa, what am I holding? And she's going to say, you're holding Hunt's tomato paste, 16 ounces, this many calories per serving, blah, 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 right? So that's the second thing that that, um, that the uh, Amazon for all, the Echo for All group did. Um, and Dr. Albi and I were talking about this yesterday. Microsoft Seeing AI product recently introduced a very similar capability. Um, and, of course, as you may know, Microsoft Seeing AI app uh, is, um, is available only on the iPhone platform, but it is absolutely free, and it's a fantastic app. I would encourage you to, to check it out. The, the third thing that, that the um, Alexa for All group did was they created, uh, they enabled the device to speak faster to you. Um, I frequently hear from clients, yeah, I wish this thing could, could speak faster. It's very tedious at this, at this low level of speed. Now, just for the sake of, of uh, this demonstration here, I'm only going to ratchet it up once. But you can ratchet it up four times, and at the fourth gear, so to speak, um, I personally can't understand what she's saying. But I know that a lot of clients that we work with um, do understand it and find it very helpful. Echo, speak faster. Okay. I will speak at this speed from now on. And as I said, that's, that's just the first gear. She can, she can go much faster. Now, this is, this is Alexa speaking to you um, for commands that you, that you give her. This doesn't mean that this increased speed is going to be associated with every skill that you use, for instance. Um, and let me give you an example of what I mean by that. And myself and a number of other folks are, are trying to convince Amazon to use this increased speed with reading books, Kindle books and Audible books. If Kindle books, uh, if a client has Kindle books, they're available to be read on the device. You already own the book. Um, and so those devices are, I mean, those books are accessible by, by Alexa. The problem is this is, this is text-to-speech. This is a reading to you, so fundamentally it's reading to you. Where Audible um, has professional narration and oftentimes the choice of narrators, et cetera, et cetera, and 
um, having that increased speed would just be ideal for for a lot of people. Now, the one the one caveat I'll mention is, um, as I mentioned, most of the skills are absolutely free. Audible is an exception to that, and and it's relatively expensive actually. It's uh, fourteen ninety nine a month. For that, you get three books a month, and any other books that you get, Amazon guarantees that it's going to be thirty percent below market value. There's there's lots and lots of native features, features that are just there for you, um, and they're constantly being um, they're constantly being improved. For example, there were always timers. Um, you put the meatloaf in, Alexa set a timer for ten minutes. How could that be improved? Well, Amazon came back and said, let's make it more specific. So now you can say, Alexa, set a turkey timer for two and a half hours. Alexa, set a potato timer for 20 minutes. Alexa, how much time is left on my potato timer? So things are constantly being being worked on and improved, even in the native features. I'm gonna, I think I'm bumping up against my time. So I'm going to touch on one other thing here, and then I'll, I'll close. Um, this device is, is, I'm frequently asked, this is fantastic, but I couldn't believe that it'll do all this kind of stuff. Where is this going? Where is this technology going? And um, the, the next big step for, and, and I think for, for voice assistants, generally speaking, but certainly for the Echo, because we've already seen snippets of this. Um, right now, Alexa speaks when spoken to. You issue a command, she gives you the information. You issue a command, she gives you the information. Um, what's coming is, is she's going to begin to anticipate the needs of the user um, and speak to you without being spoken to first. Now, Amazon understands that there's going to be some segment of the population that's going to be freaked out by that and not interested in that. And my sense is, is that there's going to be an ability for the user to talk out of that. Um, but let me give you two examples of, tech, of, of what I've already seen. So I know it's capable, uh, the Echo is capable of doing this. Um, two quick examples. My, my son lives in LA. So he's coming in on a flight from LA and I asked, um, Alexa, tell me about Delta Flight 224. Delta Flight 224 left LA at this time, it gets into Denver, and it gets into BWI, arrives at gate B7 at this time. So that's, that's Alexa today. Alexa tomorrow is going to say, would you like to know if any of that changes? Yes, I would. If, he gets snowed in in Denver. I don't want to be sitting at BWI for two hours, you know, just to find out that, that he got snowed in. A more, even more sophisticated application of this technology, which is a blend of voice recognition and artificial intelligence, what people call AI, is a thing called Alexa conversation. So think about the following scenario. I'm interested in seeing a movie. Alexa, show me the movies that are available in my neighborhood. You know, these are the movies. All right, play the trailer for this movie. How long does that movie last? Uh, two hours and three minutes. Okay, book me tickets for uh, the 7.30 show. Get me two tickets. Alexa comes back and says, okay, I got your seat, eight, eight, 16 and 17. Is that good? Yeah. Now Alexa asks, are you and your husband going to have dinner? Hmm, yeah. What do you feel like? 
Chinese. How about this place? Great. Get me, me a reservation at this time. And then she comes back and says, should I reserve an Uber for you? So anyway, you get the, you get the idea. She's going to become, for people that are comfortable with it, she's going to become much more integral into our lives and, and offer things that, that can really, really be valuable and beneficial um, in making our lives uh, easier, more convenient, and safer. Final thought. <clears throat> if you've got the device, the, the last thing I tell clients when we work with clients is you can't do anything wrong. So experiment. Don't worry about saying the wrong thing or, or asking her to do the wrong thing. The worst thing that's going to happen is she's going to say, hmm, I'm not quite sure what you mean. Um, but, but there's nothing you can do wrong, so experiment. I wonder if Alexa can do this. Well, let's try it. So try it out. So with that, I will close and, and – um, and hopefully get some questions. Paul, thank you very much. My gosh, I'm almost overwhelmed by everything you said to me. And um, maybe we could have had you for the whole time today. But we have two more speakers. And I have a number of questions. But let me just open it up for the listeners because I think their questions will be more important. Um, we'll take a few questions. Anybody out there, go ahead. Hi. This is Ann Cook. Hi, Paul. Go ahead, Ann. Good to hear your voice. Hello. Hi. Um, I, of course, had you speak with a couple of our groups a long time, a yeah, couple years yeah. ago. Right. Yeah, but, um, and, I, and I love, I'm not going to say your name, Echo. Um, we mm. use her all the time, but our use is still pretty primitive. I, and my mom has it too, but Things like, my question is, things like um, Echo Guard or what was the first one you took, um, the My Buddy and those things. Right. What I've not been able to do is figure out how you set those up. Like, do you just tell her you want those enabled or do you have to, I have the Echo app in my phone, on my iPhone, and I know you can use that to set certain things up. So... I've never gone beyond just asking for timers and radio stations and things like that. I'm just wondering okay. how you set up these specific skills like Echo Guard and My Buddy. Sure, sure. Um, that's that's a great question, and 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 um, I, I'll answer it in a couple different ways. First of all, I want everybody to understand, um, and particularly those with with a, a device in use, the de device does not have to be updated. Since the Echo is connected to the Wi-Fi in your home, it will go out and update itself. And it's also smart enough that Alexa's smart enough to know that we live here on the East Coast, so she's going to look at the clock and say, well, I'm going to update myself. During the update process, the device is unavailable. I'm going to update myself at 2.30 in the morning when everybody in the house is snoozing. Updates generally mm -hmm. take about um, now, Anne, to answer your specific question, we've been talking to Amazon about making more things available just by voice. Um, that is to say, mm -hmm. Alexa, enable guard, right? But that's not that's mm -hmm. not done today. So here's the two-part answer to your question. Some things are just a toggle, right? So in the Alexa app, 
most of what you're going to be dealing with is in the setting. So when you open the app, you're going to look down the left-hand column uh, of the app, and you'll have home, you'll have music, and you'll have this, and you'll have that. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you scroll down to settings and open settings, and that's where you make changes in this particular device. And you've got to be careful yeah. because if you have a number of – I realize I'm not the, the typical uh, Alexa user, but I have 12 devices in my home. So when I make oh. a change, the, ch the change is per device. Okay. Um, okay. So, so guard um, is just a toggle. You find guard, you say, yes, I want it. And the next thing you know, you say, Alexa, I'm leaving the house. And she says, okay, I'm turning on guard. And guard will turn uh -huh. on everywhere. Um, the second part of your question is the my buddy. And the my buddy mm -hmm. thing is something that we would have to set up for clients in the background or we could talk clients through it if they had if they needed some help and had somebody come over to the residence. But you need, and, and it's not difficult, but you just need to configure the device so Alexa knows what phone call to make, what number to call, right, times five, times the five people that are going to be called in an emergency, mm -hmm. what the email address is so she knows who to send an email to. And, again, the mobile number will also uh, tell her where to send a text. So that is set up by going into the My Buddy skill, right? Downloading the skill first, mm -hmm. and then going into the My Buddy skill to configure it. There's, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to be confusing, but there, but there is one other important thing that um, is important to understand. So I just, uh, you heard me check on my calendar events and add an event to my calendar. So out of the box, Alexa has no idea what calendar I use. Right, I, I happen to use Outlook. So I had to tell her what my login and password was for my Outlook email so she can read my email and my calendar so she can get to my calendar. That's called account linking. And mm. um, that, again, that's done in settings, right? It's just calendar and email. There's a setting called calendar and email. Once you open the settings um, function, you just provide that information. Here's my login. Now she can go get my uh, my information. So um, this is why we have to hire you, right? Because that sounds very complicated. Um, if I have the iCloud calendar, for example, and yeah. my email is is I do have Gmail and I have Cox. All of that yeah. has to be linked. And the iCloud calendar is another thing that's not automatic, right? We'd have to link all that. You have, that would have to be linked. It would just have to know okay. how to gain access to that calendar. Exactly. Okay. Got it. Thank you. I thought that was the case. Yeah. Good Paul, to hear you. I think. <laughs> it's been yeah, same here. Fun to hear you. Paul, I think we're going to have to um, have you stay on the line because we have two more speakers. <laughs> And um, maybe if you stay on, there can be some other questions towards the end of the call. So if you don't mind staying on, but maybe briefly for the sake of this call, and since it's being recorded, you could just just let the listeners know how to contact you. Um, I know you mentioned that your business may not be up and running, but perhaps after things settle down, maybe things will get going again. But if they did want to contact you or contract you, 
um, is there a is is there a way to do that? You can just say it over the over the call right now. Go ahead, Paul. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> and and um, not not interested in contracting with anyone. I'm just interested in helping. So please um, send me an email to Paul B U B as in boy U at msn.com, and in the subject line, just put Alexa help. Um, and then I'll get back to you. And what we'll end up doing is scheduling a time to get on the phone. Um, I'll send you a couple of uh, sort of preliminary requirements. You know, make sure you can get it uh, connected to your Wi-Fi, and I needed your Amazon password to get into the account. Preliminaries, and then we'll set a time to get on the phone. And um, happy to help. All right. Thank you very much, Paul. Really, really appreciate it. Dr. Weinberg, do you want to introduce our next speakers, please? Absolutely. And thank you again to Paul. I know I learned a lot from that. I took a lot of notes. Um, and many of those skills I didn't know were available. So thank you so much for that. Um, the other two speakers, thank you. Thank you. The other two speakers we have today were, are also going to be addressing technology. We realize this is a big topic. So a lot of this, we are just touching the surface of it. To address the accessibility of Apple products, we have Stan Gowan. He's a community advocate and a support group facilitator for the Reston VIP group. Um, Natesh Rathad, along, who, along with Tara Aziz, is a resource navigator at um, our Low Vision Learning Center, will then tell us about computer accessibility as well as Android accessibility. So Stan, if you don't mind starting us off, and then we'll go over to Natesh when you're finished. Hello, everybody. I hope everybody's having a great day. Um, the use of the accessibility features on the Apple platform, particularly the iPhone and iPad, is even more, is even more broad than the uh, Amazon devices, and I thought Paul did a wonderful job. I am not going to try to do any demonstrating or what have you on this call because I think it's it, it would get us into the weeds too fast and we don't have the time for it, to be honest. Um, there are several advantages to using the iPhone and the iPad uh, if you're vision impaired or blind. Um, in my mind, the first advantage is that the, the material, the capability is built into the iPhone and iPad automatically by Apple. The basic ability to use Siri, which is the voice assistant on the iOS platform, to use large fonts or alternate colors or screen magnification or voiceover is also built in, no additional charge on the iPhone or iPad or on the Mac computer platform. The integration of the apps, which is like the Amazon Echo skills, is through the Apple Store, just as for Androids, it's through the Google Play Store. This gives you a common place to find almost everything that you might need to get to enhance the capabilities of your iPhone or your iPad. Um, and there are so many different apps out there, I can't even begin to, to tell you uh, about 
all of them just even for the vision impaired community. So in a little while, what I propose is to just give you a typical day of how I might use a subset of these apps. Um, disadvantages of the platform are that these skills, voiceover and whatnot, only work and Siri only work on the Apple iOS products. So you have to have an iPhone or an iPad or a Mac computer to take advantage of them. Um, for some people, this can be a little bit of a barrier because Apple hardware often costs more than the competition. I think this is somewhat negated by the fact, as I said before, that these abilities, these uh, adaptive abilities are available at no additional cost and they're on the device when you get it, when you purchase it. Um, you don't have to download it. You don't have to download VoiceOver. You don't have to download the Zoom magnifier. You simply go into the settings on your iPhone or your iPad and you navigate to accessibility. And of course, if you have vision problems, you might initially get someone with a little bit better eyesight to help you. Um, and there are other people like me who can do it for you uh, because I there are ways to get VoiceOver to come on pretty pretty quickly. You can ask Siri, for example, to turn VoiceOver on or off. I, again, there's a whole lot of detail here I'm really skimming over. Um, but the point is, is that uh, the other disadvantage is not all of the skills or apps, as they called in the Apple world, are free. Most of them are inexpensive, anywhere from 99 cents to a few dollars. There are a few including some very good ones for the vision impaired community, which are expensive. The KNFB reader, for example, which is, in my view, one of the best optical character recognition uh, the, uh, pieces of software out there, is fairly expensive, although the National Federation of the Blind occasionally puts it on sale. It's expensive because there is licensed technology under the covers from the Kurzweil organization that costs additional money. Some of the GPS apps are also fairly expensive. There are also uh, sometimes an app will be a fixed price. You pay that price once and it's yours forever. There are apps where you pay a monthly fee to use that app. Um, so that's something else one has to bear in mind when one is trying to find something they want to use and whether they want to purchase it or not. So although I am not a uh, vision, visually impaired person to the extent that I use screen magnification and that sort of thing because my vision isn't that good, I will briefly go over what the iPhone and iPad offer for those who have enough vision that they could take advantage of it. Initially, at the very lowest level, that is if your vision is pretty good, you can set the screens up to have larger icons, larger text fonts. The screen can be made higher contrast. There can be borders around the icons to make them easier to see so that it's easier for you to touch an icon to open an app. Um, from there, you can get into 
changing alternate screen colors. So for example, if it's easier for you to see a white text on a black background, you can set your iPhone or iPad up to do that for you. Uh, with a caveat that not every app that's out there will support these changes, but more and more of these apps do. And certainly all the apps that come bundled with the device like email and messaging and the phone app and Safari, generally speaking, if you change the screen colors, they will be changed in those apps. I want to say a cautionary thing about Safari. To some extent, that also depends on how the web pages you're browsing are configured. There are websites out there that will switch back to whatever colors they like, regardless of what your setting is on your uh, iPhone or iPad. For those who need a little more help seeing, the screen magnifier built into the Apple devices is called Zoom, Z-O-O-M. And this allows you to get higher amounts of magnification along with older fonts and, again, alternate screen colors. Zoom can also magnify some graphics like photographs and things like that. Again, most of the Apple apps honor and respect the use of Zoom and therefore Zoom can be of quite a bit of benefit for those who can see enough to uh, use the magnified text. But, but also, again, not every app out there will work with Zoom, and there are some apps that don't. Finally, if your vision is such that even large print magnified by Zoom is insufficiently helpful, or you want to use text-to-speech in order to make tasks like reading your email or reading a printed book or whatnot easier on your eyes, there's something most everybody's heard about, and that is voiceover. And that is the built-in screen reader for the iPad, the iPhone, and the Mac. And the upside of that is, is that a great many apps are and do support voiceover. The only issue with voiceover, and to a lesser extent, Zoom, is that there can be a fairly steep learning curve because the thing to remember about these devices is the screens are touch screens. Therefore, it takes practice, just like learning to say play a instru musical instrument. It takes practice to become proficient with voiceover. And over the years, I've run into many people who can benefit from voiceover but they become frustrated because they don't take the time to learn the gestures and other things that make voiceover easy to use. And it can be initially frustrating. I'll be honest, the way I did it was the way a good friend of mine who showed me initially how great voiceover was, is I just took a weekend where I just sat down and that's all I did all weekend is play with voiceover. I didn't try to do anything in particular initially. There is a, an area in the voiceover setup in the accessibility settings, and this is available on all the devices, that allows you to practice the gestures. And when you get a gesture right, it gives you immediate speech feedback that says swipe right, swipe, swipe left, and gives you a little bit of verbiage about what that does, how one would use that. So given that one can practice a little bit and become a little more proficient, a little more comfortable using either Zoom or VoiceOver, um, one can get to the point where one can be pretty good about 
going through one's day and using these apps on your iPhone, your iPad, or on your Mac computer. And a typical day might be for me that my alarm goes off because I set it up the night before or I can set it up to be a weekday alarm or a weekend alarm and wakes me up as it did this morning. And the first thing I did is I simply can grab my phone and I can push the button that says alarm stop or I can push the button that says snooze and I can snooze for another nine or 10 minutes. So after I get up and I go downstairs and I'm ready for my coffee, I use an app like NFB Newsline to read the Washington Post or whatever paper I might be interested in. And yes, it's a text-to-speech app, but I've gotten used to this, the built-in voices, and some of the voices on the iPad and iPhone are very, very high quality, and it doesn't take that long to get used to them. Um, I can navigate to the publication I want to read, say the Washington Post, then I can find the sections I want to read, say Metro or uh, business, or in the case of, say, the Wednesday paper, the food section, section A, where all the major headlines, uh, news stories nationally are, style section, whatever. And then once I double tap and open the section, I can navigate from article to article quickly. I don't have to read the, from the top of the section all the way to the bottom. I can skip and look for the articles I'm interested in and I navigate through and it will tell me the headline or the title of the article and I can say, fine, I want to read that. And then with a simple gesture swiping down, it will read um, all the way down. And I'm sorry for this interruption. My goodness. All right. Hello. Hope it, hope people. I'm still there. I had no idea that could get that would happen to me today because I'm on my iPad. Still there? Yes. No problem. We can still hear you. <laughs> okay. Uh, since I was on my iPad, I forgot to tell it. I didn't want to take any incoming phone calls. So sorry about that. Um, then, then a little later on, I might read my email. Let's say it's getting to be lunch. I can look up a recipe for how to make my lunch. Um, I can use certain devices in the kitchen that are iPad and iPhone aware. There's an app called Weber's iGrill, and I have some thermometers. And with that, it can read uh, the temperature of my grill, or I can insert the probe into something that I'm cooking, and it will read the temperature of what I'm cooking or what is finished, so I can check that. I certainly can listen to music and use the voiceover software to use Apple Music or Spotify or Amazon Music and whatever, several other music services out there. I can read books from Audible or Bard, or I can read using text-to-speech the books from, say, Kindle or Bookshare. Um, I can use KNFB Reader or Seeing AI or some other apps to try to tell me what uh, I've gotten in the mail or to do some reading of text, including, if I want to take the time, reading a book that is entirely in print. Um, I can set a timer. Um, I can set, uh, gosh, just 
so many things. If I go out for a walk, I can activate some GPS apps, whether it be Apple or Google, or there are GPS apps that are designed for the vision impaired that give me much more information about what's around me, what the upcoming intersection is. Uh, if I use my Apple Watch, it can track my exercise, how far I've walked, how many calories I've burned, and all that kind of thing. The world is just full of wonderful things I can do. I can listen to sporting events when we have sports again, like Major League Baseball or football or just you name it. Um, uh, it's, it's just amazing to me how not only are all these apps available, but there are more constantly being added. And uh, there are often apps that uh, assist with things like magnification or apps that assist with things like helping me get a better night's sleep. Uh, uh, it, it's, there's so many that I, just thinking about them almost puts me in a position where I can't even think of all of them or even a few. That, and on my phone, I probably have somewhere in the vicinity of 100 to 150 different apps. Now, I don't use all those apps all the time. Um, and some of them probably I haven't used in years. But I like the idea of having two or three different GPS apps or two or three different recipe apps, whatever it happens to be, so that I have the flexibility to use what suits my particular purpose at the time. So I'm probably been way too brief here, but it's because there's so much information. I, it's difficult to go into any detail without getting us into a position where, A, I go over my time, and B, I maybe leave some people more confused than when I started. So I'm happy to entertain a few questions. Um, and But what I will say is that in my capacity as the co-chair of the Rest and Vision Impaired Persons Group and some of the other work I do, I am available to help answer questions as other people are. But rather than give you my email and what have you now, I propose that I will present that to um, the Low Vision Learning Center. And uh, if they feel that someone should contact me or if you'd like to contact me, you can get my credentials or my contact information through them. So I That's turn great. it over for anyone who has questions, and thank you very much. Thank you so much, Dan. We're actually going to um, turn it over to someone from the Low Vision Learning Center um, to tell us about Android, and thank you for all that information about Apple. It's true. It's an overwhelming topic. There are so many apps and features. Um, after we hear from Natesh, then we will open it to questions for, for you, Stan, for Natesh, and for Paul. So go ahead, Natesh. Uh, thank you, Dr. Weinberg. Am I audible? Yes, we can hear you. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Weinberg. And hello, everyone. Uh, so today I'm going to briefly uh, touch upon common accessibility features specific to the low vision on the Android and Windows, uh, Windows platforms. So many of our listeners may actually be using one or more of these features. And I would welcome if they can share their experiences uh, using these apps and features during the question and answer session. So that makes to you know, gives us a chance to learn more about that and uh, one of first-hand experiences. 
So steps for activation and use of these features may differ slightly with devices and versions of operating systems because there are a couple of versions of the Android OS and also Windows and some of them get you know, updated over time uh, and some of them do not. So, uh, but uh, the basic steps to activation and use remain almost the same. So some stock features of the operating system uh, may not work on all apps uh, as Stan was mentioning but uh, most of the apps would uh, you know respond to your changing uh, the basic features within the operating system so individual issues with activation and use of accessibility features is a topic that can be best addressed by giving call to the resource hotline or by contacting centers like the dc public library center of accessibility so today's discussion essentially does not focus on these problems of individual uh, activation and use issues so to, go, to begin with the Android platform that is the most widely used, each one of us may have a phone with, uh, with us and it could be either based on an Apple iOS or an Android platform. So most widely used tool uh, amongst Android accessibility is magnification that is used by uh, many of our uh, clients and they you know, are using it in day to day and benefiting from that. So magnification is a process that virtually increases the size of the screen, making everything on it to appear bigger. And we often need to pan on the screen from corner to corner to you know, view the entire screen. So once activated, uh, the screen uh, magnification can be turned on either by a triple tap or by the defined accessibility shortcut key. So when you want to turn on the magnification, just triple tap on the screen and the magnification, uh, the magnifier turns on. And panning is accomplished by dragging a finger on the screen when the magnifier is on. So uh, two finger pinching and out controls the amount of magnification, like you can pinch out to zoom and pinch in to you know, reduce the zoom, zoom as you, for your preference. So, but it is always good to keep the magnification to optimum because the more we increase the magnification, you all know, it's going to reduce the field of view so you'll have to pan more to uh, you know, read text and do more things. So an alternative to magnification that might prove useful for some is a feature called uh, change display size. That also tries to make everything a bit bigger, but it squeezes all in the same screen frame. You don't need to pan on that. So just the things on the screen get a little bigger. Uh, there's a little scope on that. Like uh, it, it, can, it cannot go up to the level that a magnifier can go, but it can still work for some people. So again, it can be activated from the settings and uh, can be used as per need. Uh, font size, changing font size is a feature that is also useful for many. Activating and selecting the desired font size like large, extra large, uh, will make all text bigger. And uh, the text essentially when it becomes bigger will take more space so that it will be wrapped around and also hidden sometimes. And when you, but when you tap on that icon, all the text would appear. So another feature that is uh, very useful is high contrast. Uh, high contrast text, uh, although it's an experimental feature uh, that makes text easier to read by improving its contrast against the background color. And this, both these features can again be activated from the accessibility menu and um, it's easy to activate these. So for those of the, uh, you who might be feeling too much of glare seeing the display, uh, switching to a dark theme or a color inversion are two useful features available on the Android and both on the Windows platform. Whereas dark themes only make the background user interface dark, 
and may not work on all apps, but color inversion would you know, work on everything and it will invert the colors of virtually everything that is on the screen, including the media. Uh, so sometimes it can be uh, you know a bit tricky to use at the at first because it inverts all the colors and uh, you know things looks make things look weird, but uh, with uh, with the time you can get used to it, and both features can be activated and customized from the accessibility menu, and turned on and off with the shortcut keys. Uh, now for people who need Android uh, devices to talk because it's difficult for them to uh, see the do much seeing the screen. So Android devices can also be made to work on touch and spoken feedback or through a screen reader. So TalkBack is a selective, uh, TalkBack and Selective Speak. These are two options, you know, two accessibility options available for this use. Whereas Selective Speak can read selected items, including the entire screen. TalkBack provides spoken feedback about focus points and notifications. So for example, if the TalkBack is on and you touch the screen or touch an icon, it would say, the name of the icon and what you can do with the icon at that particular time. You can open it, double tap to open it, or long press to do something, things like that. So both these features can be activated from the settings, turned on off with shortcuts and controlled with gestures. Uh, another is a voice access feature that is similar to the uh, talk uh, the Apple voiceover feature. You know, voice access is a feature that controls the device with spoken commands, including text entry and editing hands-free. Although setting up this feature is a bit elaborate and may need sighted assistance, just initially you can have help uh, from your friend or family help you set it up, but it can be optimized with a little patience and practice and can be used efficiently and meaningfully. So other less used accessibility features that I'll just touch upon are caption preferences, switch access, connecting a braille keyboard and a refreshable braille display. And last but not the least, connecting a USB mouse to your phone. Yes, a USB mouse can be connected to your phone. And of course, when you're not really mobile, you want to use the phone at a fixed place. It's, 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 it's a good tool for easy navigation. And just one more tip, uh, most of these magnifiers will not magnify the keyboards that are on screen, but keyboards get magnified if you turn the phone into the portrait mode, uh, it automatically gets uh, bigger, so it's easier to read that way. So, um, also voice typing is an, uh, available on many devices and it, it works really great. So these are the, some of the features that are available on the Android and the Microsoft Windows operating system that comes installed on many desktop and laptop computers also has a host of customizable, you know, they are really customizable accessibility features built in. One just needs to experiment a bit and you know, just, you know, uh, keep trying and get the best out of it, <clears throat> excuse me. The magnifier in Windows OS uh, has three distinct modes. One is the full screen, it's just similar to the one on the Android phones. And then there is another called a docked mode where the magnifier is fixed to a location on the screen. And the other one is a movable lens type. It's just like a handheld magnifier that you may try to use on a piece of paper. So there are quick shortcuts to turn on switch modes and zoom in and zoom out of the magnifier. There are very, really very quick shortcuts on the keyboard. You just need to learn them. Additional options like invert colors uh, in the magnified window and follow keyboard and mouse focus are also very, very useful. So keyboard and mouse focus means when you are using the magnifier and you suddenly, you are on a part of the screen, 
uh, and you start typing on another part of the screen. So the immediately the magnifier would shift focus and would magnify the part you're typing. So that is, is very useful and helpful when actually using it. The make text bigger feature allows for a variation in text size from 100% to 225%. That is like increasing the font uh, on the Android phone. And the make everything bigger feature is similar to the change display size on the Android devices and has two settings of 100% and 125%. Uh, to resolve glare issues um, and fatigue with glare that people face, stock or downloaded dark themes may be selected or an entirely customizable high contrast mode is available for reducing the background glare. So you can always change the colors and the kind of appearance that you want. Little bit of changes can be made and it can be customized. Another useful feature is the color filter feature that, you know, filters colors from the display palette like it can make it grayscale or grayscale inverted or it can make it into some other kind of color filter can be applied to cater for the color perceiving deficiencies if one needs all text and notifications on screen can be read aloud by activating the narrator feature on the windows os uh, that can also speak letters entered on the keyboard so it's it's just like a you know complete um a talking feature, but uh, it's also complex to turn it on and to use it. So there's a complete guidebook on the narrator app is available on the Windows uh, Accessibility Help Platform on the website for understanding, activating, and using this feature. The speech recognition feature listens to spoken words and performs actions on screen. So this feature may be useful, especially for dictation, web surfing, and navigating most common menus. So Cortana is another digital personal assistant in Windows 10. It's just like the, uh, the CD that you have on the Apple iOS that can perform actions like web search, email, directions, calculations, information, et cetera. And it's also, as Ken mentioned and uh, as Paul mentioned, things are being constantly improved based on feedback by the users. And so you can always expect updates on these things. Um, Another important feature is the on-screen keyboard uh, on the Windows platform that, is a, that allows for the use of mouse for keystrokes. And the one advantage that it has is that when you use a magnifier on this on-screen keyboard, it can be magnified. Like the magnifier works on this, unlike Android. The mouse pointer and text cursor can also, yeah. So this is one of the feature uh, because many of our clients, they uh, are frustrated using the computer because they cannot see the mouse or the mouse pointer or the cursor. So just keep in mind that the cursor and the pointer can be made more visible by changing their size, color, enabling trails, and pressing, like quick locating the mouse cursor by just pressing the control key on your keyboard. If you press the control key twice, thrice, where your mouse pointer is, it's going to be highlighted with a circle. Closed captions is a feature that is available both in the Android and Windows platform that can be used to customize the text color and background of captions during the media playback. Like the captions can be made um, of, the text can be, in, uh, size can be increased, or the color of the text can be changed, the color of the background can be changed as per personal preferences. So while all the above Thanks. features yeah. have been- Hey, Nitesh. Nitesh? Hi, Sean. Yes, yes Sean. Hi. So uh, we're, we're starting to run a little bit out of time. I'm sorry, I really have to, I'm sorry that I'm cutting you off, but we do want to provide a little bit of time for Q&A. We will have to continue okay. this um, at a future call. 
Um, so okay. right now is a good time for anyone who has questions for uh, Nitesh or Stan um, or even Paul, um, go ahead and press star star to unmute yourself and go ahead and ask questions. Okay, yeah, sure. Please go ahead, yeah. Good morning. Can you hear me? Hi, yes, go ahead. Yes. Oh, okay. I was afraid I, I thought I had lost the whole call for a second. Um, something I wanted to ask about on uh, and comment on on the iPhone, and that is, while voiceover is really good, it's not necessarily great. Um, one of the issues that I've often found with it for people with low vision is that you can't scroll with voiceover. So you can't actually follow the text at the same time. But there's a much there's a great feature for people with low vision called Speak that's also on that's also on the phone. And it does um you can highlight it, it you can do select all. If if you just hold your finger down and a little option uh list will come up. Hit select all, it'll collect it'll highlight the whole thing and then you hit speak. It will talk, speak it very, very well. Right now, it seems to have a little bit of a problem. I have an iPhone and an iPad Pro, and in the newest edition, there seems to be a problem with speak in messaging. But in, for instance, in reading email, it's much, it's it's really good if you can read the screen and listen to it at the same time. Um, and the other thing is, if anybody has the uh, contact information, uh, I would very much appreciate it as well for Apple Viz, which is an email list that uh, just works on uh, is specific to people with uh, visual disabilities using the Apple uh, products. Thanks. Okay, that was great. Uh, uh, yeah, the speak option does work well for some people. I have to point out, in all fairness, and this is because VoiceOver is a complicated product, there is a setting in VoiceOver where it will put a box around the text that it is currently speaking. And this can be set to follow word for word, which I find on an iPhone screen distracting because I can't see the print anyway. So I have mine set up to follow paragraph by paragraph. And this works either when you're reading uh, an entire screen or a paragraph or whatever, or if you use a gesture to navigate around the screen. So that is possible to do. But the speak feature is very nice. Um, Apple Viz is actually a website run by vision-impaired people to provide support for anything Apple. And this doesn't just mean iPhones and iPads. This means Macintosh computers, iPods. Apple TV, the whole the whole nine yards, and it is at appleviz.com, A-P-P-L-E, V as in Victor, I as in India, S as in Sam, dot C-O-M. The site is free, although they do encourage one to donate. One does not have to build or set up a logon if all one wants to do is search and read posts. If you want to ask a question or answer a question or post a review or what have you, one does have to build a user account on the site. 
but it is an excellent resource. There are a great many other resources for Apple, and I'm sure that uh, the learning, the Low Vision Learning Center knows of a few, but I'll try to put a list together and send it to them, and we'll compare notes so that people who have questions can call them and they can send out the information in an email so one doesn't have to write that information down hurriedly now. This is Thank Tony. You, Hello. Hi, Tony, go ahead, and then I heard um, uh, another voice after him. Just a comment on Speak on the uh, Apple devices. I'm not an Apple user, but I did notice a week or two ago on the YouTube channel called The Blind Life, they did an episode specifically on various text-to-speech options on Apple devices. Over to you. Over to you. Mm. Hello. Um, I wanted oh, to... Hi, it's Edie um, speaking. I wanted to ask a question and offer um, a resource also. Um, so I use VoiceOver um, most of the time, um, and I'm glad that other person said about how you can um, have it follow along with um, with uh, the that um, big black cursor frame um, as it reads, which is very helpful for me. Um, but I wasn't clear, like, I guess, speak, if speak is under the voiceover in settings or if it's like something that I just haven't found. Um, but the resource I wanted to offer is um, – the Apple tech support um, themselves. I mean, that's like enough reason to stay with Apple um, because uh, they're, they are there 24-7 and Apple has um, departments specifically geared towards helping customers with disabilities, which for one thing, you don't have to call the main number and then just wait on hold forever. And for the second thing is that 99% of the time, you'll get um, a staff member who is patient and knowledgeable and um, really competent, um, and uh, and and that's that's great. Um, and that is one eight seven seven two zero four three nine three zero. Thank you, Edie. And um, again, if you didn't get that number, you can always call our hotline for that number or also listen to the recording that will be posted later today. This is Dr. Weinberg. I just wanted to say thank you to all the speakers. And Natasha, again, we're so sorry we had to um, cut you off. If there's no more questions, we can certainly let you um, finish if you had any final thoughts. Um, so we'll open it up to either questions or, um, Natasha, if there was any last-minute things you needed, wanted to add. Um, uh, this is Tree. Yeah, I had a question. Hello. Hi, go, go ahead, Tree. Yeah, this is a I question for Paul. Paul, do you, Paul, do you know if Amazon is coming out with any devices in July? To Paul, I think Paul there? might have left. I think Paul, Paul might have left. Um, oh, no, Paul, still, there we go. He was muted. Go ahead, go ahead oh, Okay, Paul. sorry. Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not familiar with a, with a specific device. They have, and I believe their conference, you know, just like all the big tech firms, they have an annual conference where they do a lot of announcements. 
um, and generally announce something and then you know deliver it uh, several months hence. Um, but did you did you have something specific in mind? I I do see some of the stuff that they're working on on occasion. I was just more curious if there's something that you know because usually around July Amazon has their big um, sale pitch and usually some devices right. come out during that time. And I was just checking to see if you knew of any new devices. So no new devices. My everybody is waiting for conversations, Alexa conversations, which is this thing I described toward the end of the call, um, where Alexa gets very interactive um, with regard to making recommendations and trying to help the user, you know, just with daily sort of mundane tasks like making reservations, um, buying tickets, uh, do, doing those kinds of things. Um, that that's what I think the big thing is coming, and that's just that's me speaking. That's not Amazon speaking. Um, I guess a final thought that I would have, as Dr. Weinberg said, final thoughts. For those of you that do have uh, Echo devices, I would encourage you to read the Friday email that comes out from Amazon uh, entitled "What's New with Alexa." Oftentimes, it's pretty boring. There's not a lot in there, but but you know it only takes five minutes or so to read through it. And oftentimes they will allow, they will um, make people aware of things that are now available in their device that they probably never otherwise would would uh, would know about. And Paul, I have a question um, that might be kind of a basic question. Do you have to have Amazon Prime to use these devices, or can anyone use Echo? So that's a very good question, and the answer is you do not need Prime. Uh, you can use just a free Amazon basic account. Um, there's only two things you need to make the Echo work. One is a Wi-Fi connection. You do need Wi-Fi in the home, and the second is an Amazon account. A lot of our clients uh, did not have Amazon accounts, and we just set them up for them right on the spot with their email and made up the password. Great. Thank you for clarifying. Sure. I think we have time for one more question. Okay, I'm here. Um, this is Johnella Farah. Hi, everyone. Paul, would you please give me your email address again because I'm very interested in the uh, guard skill and Amazon oh, sure. for everyone. Absolutely. My email address is Paul B U B as in boy U at MSN. Okay, thank you. Yes, indeed. That was a quick one. Does anyone have another question? <laughs> has anybody has anybody used has anyone found a remote control that's easy to read? Uh yes, we did get an emailed question and that might have been from you. Um and because our speakers had so much great information, we didn't get to all of our email questions, right. but I do, believe, I do believe I could answer this one for you. Um, so the question was about a remote control for the television, um, specifically yeah. it that would work with Comcast. And while there are companies that sell large button remotes, uh, MaxiAids, um, LSNS, Independent Living, uh, an option for Comcast specifically, that may be very helpful for someone that has vision impairment, is their Xfinity X1 voice remote. 
So this, similar to, you know, Amazon Alexa, where you can control it just with your voice, the X1 voice remote is a great option. There's voice commands to change channels, to search for shows, get show recommendations, even find out what song is playing on the TV screen. So it is worth looking into the X1 voice remote. I hope that helps. I think that's why we got it. It's so small that he wanted to return it. So with that, I would have um, one. Go ahead. Yeah, I would just add one thing. So if um, so, I'm a Com Comcast user, and I'm very happy with it. Um, however, if somebody is a uh, Cox customer or a Verizon customer, Am Amazon does have a product called the Echo Cube, C-U-B-E, uh, 100 bucks. And it is designed specifically, it's a full-blown Echo device. We'll do everything that, that Echo does, but it is also specifically designed to enable um, our voice input to the TV. You know, uh, Echo, give me the 6 o'clock news from CBS. Echo, turn on, you know, the voice, whatever, whatever the case may be. So that's just something to explore. Thanks. All right, I, I think we're going to – yep, go ahead, Belinda. Uh, go, go ahead, Sean. Okay. Um, so I think we've reached our time, and I think this is a good ending point for us. Um, I really want to thank our three speakers for joining. You all had all kinds of information, and so much so that we may have to ask you to come back at a future time because there's so much shared, and I know there's so much more. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you have any additional questions, please feel free to call our hotline, 301-351-4444, and they can help um, answer any questions you may have or forward on any more questions about, um, or forward any questions they may not know, but they can connect with Stan or Paul. Um, one final um, reminder, our next town hall meeting will be Wednesday, June 17th. That's a couple weeks from now. So if you try to call in next week, we're not going to be on. So if you want to talk to no one, that's great. But otherwise, um, June 17th at 11 a.m. is our next call. We really look forward to hearing you all again. And if you have any suggestions for topics or for other, or if you have any questions, again, call our hotline. So thank you, everyone. I really hope you have a good weekend and a good next couple of weeks. We look forward to hearing from everyone again.